Okay. So today, welcome to Flycast, also known as Spring a Rain Jacket. I'm Steph. And I'm Cassandra. And today we have a very, very special guest to the Flycast family. Uh, we have Cassandra's mother. Her name is Shauna Page. She is my mother. She's a lot of things, though. She has a very long resume, um, so she's here to teach us a lot. But uh, we'll be talking about some first aid. She is an EMT, so she's got some good tips on that. Uh, she's got some tips on traffic control <laughs> if you're in need. Um, Piloting. We'll be talking about hunting, fishing, cooking for a man that does both of, both of those things. Um, she also fishes and hunts but she uh, also as well. fishes and hunts as well. Don't go past that. She knows a lot about caches, digging them, preserving them. <laughs> what happens when you leave them for five years? We might find out on this here podcast. Uh, she has been a Montana resident her entire life, born and raised in the Big Hole Valley. Uh, she's uh, lived in town. She's lived in the middle of nowhere. She's kind of done it all. She's worked as a, um, what did you do at Lost Trail? Sold tickets. She has worked at Lost Trail Ski Place, was it? <laughs> she has worked, she has worked at Lost Trail Powder Mountain. For uh, over. various. Things. Roles and tasks um, for over 25 years. She now has a small business owner. And we're happy to have you on the show today, Shauna. Thank you. How did you decide on the 350? I'm actually kind of curious because... Sponsored by Ford. Yeah, give us all trucks. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I want mine in blue. Uh, Velocity. <laughs> Velocity, right. blue. Velocity blue. Velocity blue. Um, thank you. Uh, so uh, being originally from the city, I don't know really anything about trucks. I thought there was the F-150 and then that's all you needed with a truck. Because it could do all the things. Why? What's a 350? What's a 250? What do those mean? And why oh. do you need different truck sizes? Is uh, it size? Engine. It's engine, an engine size. Engine size. And power. So you're looking to pull some... The fifth wheel, the trailer. The big thing with that 350 is it's got a tow haul package that can slow you down. It, it'll slow the trailer down instead mm-hmm. of... Us having to push on the brake all the time, and pushing on the so brake, so it's safer. Is bad because it it'll wear your brake out, okay. and then you won't have any control. Uh huh. Is it? So. Is it? Oh, we got the snorkeler. <laughs> uh, we're being joined by these two lovely doggies over here. We got Ruby, and Ruby is a Brittany Spaniel. Brittany Spaniel, and she is how old? Twelve. Twelve. Have you had her since she was a, a wee pup? Mm-hmm. She was uh, eight weeks old when we got her. She was actually Darby. We got her up at the ski hill up at Lost Trail. There was some people there that had some Britneys, and we... I, here's a, here's Cassandra another. picked out. Well, there were two dogs, two puppies, that we could have chosen from, and I was in love with this one, and they, my parents liked this other one, and I'm pretty sure that 
They got the one I wanted. I'm not. We did. The other one had a lot more energy, and she was sort of laid back. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was like the other Louis way around. Was more laid back? It might have been the other way around. I don't know. The one I liked was <clears throat> hyper. Whatever. Ruby. Anyway, we got Ruby. Yeah. Another question for uh, Montana residents. It seems that no matter where you go, you're being offered dogs right and left. How do you choose which dogs to take and which dogs to not take? I feel like every time I'm out here, there's a new litter of pups, and I want all of them. That's a lot of breeders. You mean, what do you mean, Stephanie? Uh, I mean, it seems like you could... If you had a mind, you could have a new puppy each year because someone has a litter of pups, right? You could. How do you decide, hey, I'm going to get a puppy from this litter? Well, the Brittany thing came from Chuck, who is my husband, her father. Cassandra. Cassandra's daddy. And he is from California. And, from uh, California. Yeah, that's a subject we're going to cover. Don't worry. <laughs> Chuck Page, Orbis Guide of the Year. Yeah. Just like to point yes. that out once again. 2015. 2015. Guide of the Year. He brought the Britneys into the family, and um, I was never real crazy about that, but that's the way it was, so that was fine. Mm-hmm. And we've had uh, two of them. Three of them. Three of them. Why are you crazy about them? Well, I just wasn't at first because Mm -hmm. they're hunters, and hunters leave you. You go for a walk with them, you never see them. And I wanted a dog that was going to stay with you. Mm -hmm. Well, she's currently lying on the floor and going nowhere. (laughs) Well, yeah, but she's 12. (laughs) You know, you got to wait. you got a lot of (laughs) mates. And then Aussies, uh, miniature Australians or Australian Shepherds, are very um, dedicated. Mm-hmm. to the person and so they will protect you they try to herd you actually is what they try to do why specifically mini aussies because they're smaller yeah because i like to travel with i take them everywhere i go and if you have this i mean australian shepherds are big dogs mm-hmm. and my sister had a full-grown um australian shepherd um and it was 17 years 15 years ago i had a new baby colt and that dog literally walked down the creek and led back a couple horses with the halter and just babysat everybody and I said I want it I want that I want a dog like that mm-hmm. but not that big mm-hmm. and then they found mini Aussies I didn't know they had them but so I had a female for 15 years mm-hmm. and then I've had this one for a year this and one's half. name is Patches we didn't actually get to this dog's name his name's Patches and he's just the greatest well, I wouldn't go that far. He's the second greatest. So let's, now that we've talked about dogs and trucks, which we can circle back to at any point, because I feel like we're constantly talking about those things. Uh, Shauna, let's talk about your uh, your huge career. How did you, What what's your favorite job that you've ever had? What has the, been the most fun? Well, I really have always liked the EMT, but that isn't actually a career so much because I was I did volunteering. I mean, it's definitely mostly. part of your career, though. I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, I've been in life. EMT for um, thirty-four yes. years. So, mm-hmm. and why is being an EMT out in rural Montana so important? Because I want to help people, and and there's not a lot of people around that are EMTs, and mm-hmm. but there are. 
periodically people that need help and when they need help they need it now and mm -hmm. living in Wise River we don't have access to you know so so just just for people who aren't super familiar with rural areas I think the closest actual like ambulance ambulance would be Butte well we have one in Wise River okay but it's staffed by volunteer EMTs it is volunteer EMTs right which they donate a lot of their time and effort into um, being trained and continuing with education. So it's really hats off to everybody on the ambulance because it's a lot of time and effort and money because it's all volunteer. And then you get called in the middle of the night to go pluck people out of the river or pick people up off the, that had four-wheeler accidents or car wrecks or whatever. And the downfall of being on the ambulance in a small community is you know a lot of the people that you pick up. So, so it's emotional. Can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, once again, for, for us for us city folks, uh, we're about, right now, 45 minutes away from a uh, hospital. So for an ambulance to come from there, you know, that's that's not really an option for a lot of emergency situations. So the importance of the volunteer EMTs is to get, is to be on the scene as quickly as possible because uh, an ambulance from, is it St. James? What's the? Well, it'd be uh, Butte A1. Butte A1. Is the ambulance in Butte. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they wouldn't get here in time for oh, a lot it would of take, situations. It would take a half hour to 45 minutes for him to get out here. Yeah. And uh, something that I learned in my first aid class is um, when you get people, an ambulance coming in from out of town, they don't really know the area that well. So you might be, uh, you know, two miles down the river from so-and-so's house and uh, a local EMT will know exactly where that is while a, you know, an ambulance coming from town has no idea what you're talking about. So it's really important that you have local EMTs that know the area and know uh, how, how to get there and how to get out uh, helping on in these remote communities. Mm -hmm. So this, that's been your favorite job. What's been, what's been your most fun job? Well, I, you know, I, don't, I like all, everything I do. I enjoy, I mean, I don't know that I have a favorite job. I love flagging mm -hmm. doing construction. I did that for 24 years, 25 years. And can you explain for people in the cities that don't know what flaggers do? I stand on the highway and stop traffic, control traffic through a work zone, mm -hmm. through a construction work zone. Mm -hmm. And basically your job is to keep everybody safe. So that's, mm -hmm. I did that and, I, and that was fun. I enjoyed it. There was bad days, but it was fun. I, how do you handle temperature changes and stuff? On, when you're, <laughs> you be prepared. I just can't imagine. Uh, I've worked outside a lot, but I'm kind of like in a very you know rowing where you're kind of moving around and stuff like that. And when you're standing there, do you do shift change? How frequently are you doing shift changes? Or you stand there for how long? Um, I've worked 24 hours. Most days are 14 hour days. And you've literally stand there for 14 hours. Cassandra went to work with me several times too. How was that experience, Cassandra? Good. Hot. <laughs> she was hungry. She painted a picture using um, real flowers out in the 
Because what else are you going to do? <laughs> so you pick a wildflower and you paint. Well, I, I somehow, I, this is just a vague memory. You telling me that you used to stop at Ma Barnes on the way back yep. from flagging. Yeah. Is that right? Can you tell us what was Ma Barnes? It's a roadside store. And I was babysat by some girl. And I some remember her first. I'm, I'm, no, this is when I was babysat by some other girl. Oh. Uh, I was baby. I was being babysat by a girl. I remember her first name, but I'm not going to say it because it's kind of a negative story anyway. And um, she oh, yeah. would take me to Elkhorn Hot Springs, and we'd swim and all that. And it was great. And then we would like rage through the work zone, which was highly not good, very unsafe. And we'd go to Ma Barnes, the the old roadside off the dirt road. Convenience store. You get yeah, ice cream. Grocery store. And that's pretty much, that's like what I remember most. I don't really remember going to any other construction things with you. I really remember all the, all the byway stuff, but that's all I remember. Well, that's what I worked on when you were young at that, that age. Yeah, they don't, they kind of frown on you taking your kids to work now. You did what you had to do. Well, you I know, did. I was there. Yeah. yeah. He gave me a banana and told me to stay off the road, <laughs> you know? Stay in the car when there's a that's, car. That's good parenting yeah, advice, everyone. Stay off the road and give your kid a banana. And there wasn't, you know, a lot of there child, there wasn't a lot of child care. You had, there you were gone, either. you were gone a lot, you know, yeah, you had that. to, you had to work. So, uh, living primarily in rural communities, how do you find a job or find a career or what, how do you decide what you're going to do is it the kind of thing where do you do you have like a calling and you seek that out or do you kind of say hey this is what I can do or this is what the area needs or are you just like let me see what I can do around the area and different things you know everything came from something different so the EMT stemmed from um, me being on ski patrol at Deep Creek Ski Area is just on the Mill Creek Highway. It's mm-hmm. not open now. It closed in um, 1983. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a little T-bar ski area. There was five runs, and I was on the Can ski patrol there. Can you quickly explain what a T-bar is? Well, a T-bar is something that you put behind your butt, and it pulls you up the hill. So you don't comfort level. <laughs> Well, it was comfortable to me. I don't know if it would be comfortable today. I'm a little <laughs> older, and I like to be lifted up and re- rest like while you just I go up. Put it behind your yeah. butt, or you do just you straddle it. No, well, if, if you're a people steer. people did straddle it, but it was kind of dangerous to do that because then when you had to get off, you had to very quickly unstraddle, and some people got caught and, and went up it, the hill. Can it fit two people? Yes, two people can. So it's a it's T, a literally yeah. T, upside down T. And you just tuck it right under your butt cheek, and it pulls you up the hill. And is it metal? No, it was wood. It was wood. And you get massive, strong legs. And as a ski patroller at Deep Creek, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, Did you see a lot of injuries from said T-bar? Not injuries. No. A lot of wrecks, though. People would try to jump off the T-bar. Yeah, get off the T-bar when where oh, they okay. aren't supposed to, or or not stay in the track. They would go all over the hill, going up the hill. They. How did one thing lead to another with you? Because you just you have done 
I, I, you've done a million. I can't. I can't. Because even. the ski patrol got me into the EMT type. So that start, stuff. That was so that's. The EMT. Okay. Yeah, that was. I was 16 when I was on the ski patrol. Oh. Okay. Jeez. And you were just looking for a job. And you happened to live right next to the ski well, patrol. <laughs> well, I wasn't really looking for a job. That, too, was volunteer. Um, ski patrolling was volunteer. Yes, at Deep Creek. Actually, is volunteering on a lot of the smaller hills. Mm-hmm. Like Maverick, is that? Is oh, that yeah, that's all, that's all volunteer. So, but, like, they'll you get to ski free, so that's a perk. And yeah, yeah. Right. I did that for, I don't know, five or six years okay. at Deep Creek, but then I also ski patrolled at Maverick, and I ski instructed while I was going to college. And Not sure how much I went to, to school. Western. Where did you, quote, go to college, apparently? Western. <laughs> uh, Western Montana. University of Montana. Western? University of Montana. University yeah. of Montana. Western. And Dillon? Uh-huh. In Dillon, Montana, folks. In Dillon, Montana. And what was your degree in? Well, um, education. I was going to be a, an elementary education teacher. But I decided I'd probably have a lot less kids in the world if I did that because I have no patience. <laughs> so we opted out of that one. Yeah, now I do adult education. Fair enough. Which is... <laughs> <laughs> Almost worse, I don't know. Well, the, the difference is kids want to learn and adults just have to be there because their job Or they says. think they already know it. And they already, yeah, they, they already know they don't need me. And then there's that I don't want to learn from a woman deal. We're familiar. <laughs> Are you familiar with that one, though? <laughs> yeah, I've been dealing with that a little bit. Lately. Have you? Yeah. Yes. How do you How do you deal with that? <clears throat> um. Well, I I was kind of I was on a Zoom meeting and I, that was just the other day, wasn't it? Yeah, and they were county supervisors. So guys, just remember your cool. local elections matter just as much as your larger elections because there you, go. you can vote people in and out of office as you see fit. So make sure to make a difference and vote in your local elections. Anyway, so these folks were... Well, they just said that, yeah, one guy said, well, I don't really like to take classes from a girl. Truly appalling. Kind of uh, upset about this little deal. Um... Maybe... Maybe we can just get some letters written up? And, you know, the thing is, is working in construction, I've dealt with this a lot, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but that doesn't make it right. It's it's not. And this day and age, come on. 2020, folks. Yeah. I mean, I have as much experience and knowledge as any guy. What did you say the other day? That thing between my legs, I don't have that, but I still okay, have yes. a knowledge. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that isn't how you put it. You said that thing between your legs. Um... Okay, so it seems like the theme throughout your career has been safety. Yep. And what what drew you to safety? Is that is that just like a passion, being safe? The EMT was definitely a passion. I did seek that out because mm-hmm. I liked it. But mm-hmm. um, the construction, my dad's a operating engineer. He was in construction. My mother was a flagger, mm-hmm. was in construction. My sister, my other sister, right. I got more into the safety because I started training for the labor's union. Okay. And when you start training, then that's a big focus is, is safety. Okay. And when you do traffic control, that is your focus. I mean, you're trying to keep all the workers safe, and you're trying to keep all the traveling public safe, and so safety is, is your job. What, did you see anyone in, like, crazy outfits or doing anything ridiculous while you were flagging? I saw a guy in no outfit. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> On the top of Lost Trail Pass one time. Yeah, that was really kind of embarrassing. Can you elaborate? Why was he naked? I have no idea. Didn't ask. What was he doing? He was a in bike? a... No. <laughs> no, he was in a uh, convertible. Oh, my. Just and got I, up. It's stopped the, the, the local nude beach at Lost Trail. Yeah, tanning. Getting a little tan on. But that was a really fun job. I really enjoyed that job, actually. It was a two-hour road closure. And so we had to stop traffic for two hours and not, you know, nobody could go. And then we had a pilot car that took them through every, oh, I think it was every odd hour. It was on 93, and 93 is, you know, a, a major road right. coming into Montana, so a lot of turiz- tourism. And we'd have people in motorhomes and trailers and everything. We never brought a lunch because they always fed us, everybody uh-huh. with a trailer. Because you'd stop those people, and they were on vacation. They didn't care. And they'd, yeah. oh, we're going to be here for an hour? Okay, well, I'll make breakfast or I'll make lunch or whatever. Uh-huh. And they'd feed us too, so we never took a lunch. So, And then I taught a guy to fly fish. While you were... this is the... Oh, yeah. The fly fishing. Yeah, yeah. There was a guy that... Um, he was going to go to a uh, fly casting uh, school in Hamilton. And I said, oh, I know how to fly fish. I know how to cast. I'll teach you. So in the middle of road, I was showing the guy how to cast. Did he get <laughs> it? Right. Yeah, he did. He did okay. But, I mean, it's good I had two hours. <laughs> I should have charged him. <laughs> <laughs> you ever need that cool <laughs> and then another guy came up and and i told him it was going to be whatever an hour and a half or whatever and he goes oh oh i got to get right through my my wife's pregnant she's going to have a baby and i said oh no worries i said i'm an emt i'll deliver the baby for you well she wasn't she was pregnant but she wasn't due and he just was trying to sneak his way through and Nip that bed. I've, heard a, I've heard a couple of those stories. You told me a couple of stories of people making up reasons, yeah, ways to get through the work zone. Yeah. Waiting. Well, one guy did. He, but it was on the other end, so I wasn't flagging, and um, they shut the whole job down. And my boss came through, and he was had this car behind him, and I go, "What? What's going on?" And he goes, "Oh, this guy. This guy. Um, or it was a woman. This uh, woman. Her husband is having open heart surgery in salmon." And I started laughing because they were on the Missoula side. And I said, oh, Roy, not not cool. And he goes, why? What's wrong? And I said, if they were going to do open heart surgery, it would be in Missoula. It would not be in salmon. Yeah. So then he started checking with me whenever he they got excuses. Oh, man. <laughs> Guys, come up with better excuses, please. Thank you. <laughs> so you, At least one's, you know, believable. Believable. Can you enlighten us on some of your wildlife experiences while you're flying? Um, like the moose that attacked the, the moose, sign. Zebras. <laughs> I didn't have whatever. any zebras. I had mountain lions. Yeah. Antifreeze is actually deadly for animals, mm-hmm. but it has a really sweet taste apparently. Mm-hmm. And we had a mountain lion one time that was drink eating the antifreeze off the ground. I don't know. That one kind of made me nervous. And I've had multiple bears. And do you, do you just scare them off, or what? what's the protocol? Well, the bears don't bother me. I, I never had a problem with the brown bears, but I did flag in Glacier Park once, and, and like that, the grizzlies there. So you couldn't have your lunch. You had to leave your lunch with the boss, and he had to stop by every once in a while. And, and that's Glacier National Park? Glacier National Park, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I ran a job. So I, I not only flagged for many years, but I also ran jobs. I mm-hmm. was a supervisor. 
and I was running a bridge job in um, Lamar Valley in Yellowstone Park. Mm -hmm. And we had the bridge shut off, and I had two flaggers working, and we had a buffalo stampede. They just came over the horizon, and they were all running toward the job, and I was in my truck, because I didn't flag then, and I got on the radio and said, get in your cars, and the buffalo ran around us, but it, yeah, I, wow. I didn't really like flaggers standing out there in their, on their feet. No, that's wild. And then I had a badger one time, wouldn't let me in the car. Badgers, I feel like badgers are underrated. They're scary. They, are they scary. have those, like, they have like three inch claws. Yes, they are vicious. There was um there was a honey there was a honey colored badger that I used to drive past to get to my parents' a frame and it would sit on hmm it was it was like honey colored it was like have you ever seen a honey colored one no it's like instead of the black stripes it has like kind of like tan stripes I've never seen anything I've never seen a badger like that before but it would just sit on the road and I think it would wait for it was like. Uh, in a curve and there was always roadkill you know like little squirrels and stuff and I think it was waiting for to go snatch the roadkill do they eat dead animals um well I don't know they might I I'm really not sure I know that they um they hunt gophers they'll go after gophers and they go right down in the gopher hole after them so yeah we had a family of them at the end of our road here of badgers yeah gee we did huge was it last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Year before last year? Yeah. Last year. It was kind of fun. You'd drive by and the badgers would all be scurrying around. It was mm-hmm. kind of cute. There was one, yeah, it would sit on the road. I think it was waiting for dead animals, but it must have gotten clipped because it would sit right on the road every time. Mm-hmm. I drove past there for like six weeks, eight weeks. Have I, you guys seen any animals up there? You know, uh, we've seen a lot of birds, mm-hmm. but no... Uh, there's no two critter bears critters. Around. Well, they right have now. they have three pretty active dogs up there. Oh. So and they're constantly like howling and stuff. Um, and they're big dogs. They're, they're big. They're big. three big dogs. So yeah, I think they're probably keeping some of the wildlife away. But yeah, no, we have. There's a red-tailed hawk. We've seen a lot of robins. There's a bunch of. Um, I can't tell the difference between swallows and starlings. They're probably starlings. Yeah, they're probably, probably starlings. I would assume. Um, starlings are an invasive bird in mm-hmm. Montana. Um, and are they the ones that create the mud nest? Uh, yeah. Underneath the bridges yeah. and on the side of old buildings. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of like mud Yeah, structures. and they're ab- very obnoxious. Um, they're very loud. They will, they will bomb you. They will attack you. They're, they're... Aggressive, that's the word. But they're very small. They're like the size of... Like a small songbird, um, but yeah, they're all over the place. Um, all right, so you had a little flagging story. Oh, so this—it's still that lost trail job, the two-hour road closure. So we put everybody in two lines because we'd have so much traffic, as mm-hmm. you can imagine, on ninety-three. Yeah. And um, one guy one time asked me, "How come you have everybody in two lines?" And I said, "Well, we have a different pilot car for each each." line mm-hmm. and he goes why is that and I said because we put the Californians in this with a new pilot car every time <laughs> we put everybody else in this line <laughs> get rid of them California but I can't say that because no, I'm married to one California. yeah let's actually this well I'm married to one so this I can let's, you know I feel like I can tra- tra- this is a great this segue to talk uh oh. Um, to talk about uh, your so let's marriage. Let's talk about Charles Allen Page. Charles Allen Page. 
Cap? Cap. You ever call him Cap? No, I have never come up with that. Cap, now you do. So Cap. Cap's from California. Yes. Cap's from Cal. NorCal. Cap's from NorCal. Yeah. Anyway. Hippie Central. <laughs> so how did you? <laughs> yeah, just follow the hippie corridor. Yes, well, they're all grown anyway. Um, so how did you? How did you meet your husband? Your dad? Yeah, I mean, um, I was, I was visiting my sister who worked at the Wise River Club, and there used to be. A there's not anymore, <laughs> but a little. There was a little window from the cafe that you could see into the bar, mm-hmm. and there happened to be a um, poker machine right there, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. nice tall man with a cute little ass was playing poker. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, ooh. Might have to meet him. Was it an issue when you, was it an issue with anyone when the people, various members of certain families found out that he was from California? Was that ever a... My family didn't care. Great. Cool. Locals did. Yeah. But that's their problem. I wonder what that is. What is that about? Why? Why do we hate Californians? We don't. But why is there a joke? Why is there a running joke about Californians? In just Montana? because a lot of people, and and they're from all over. They're not from just California, but they move here and they want to change. They say they love this country and then mm-hmm. this area, and then they move and buy land, and then they want to change everything to be like there. It is at home. Sure. And, well, and then there's also like a lot of Californians that come into the area. There mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's easy to make fun of them because there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'm I'm originally been there for like 35 plus years. So. But that is a problem I had when I when I first came out here. Um, I had a Cal. I'm from California, uh, San Francisco sorry. Bay Area. I'm so sorry. No, it was great. It was good for me. Uh, it's but I did have a problem coming out here because I had California plates and I would get yelled at when I was in oh, fishing really? spots. Sometimes they'd be like, "Why are oh you fishing God. here? You shouldn't be here!" And like all Seriously? of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go home, California. Yeah, all the time. Oh, wow, I and didn't realize so, they were that aggressive. I I mean we've there's I mean, a there's joke, a few sure. people around here that have said things. And to me, why would you marry? So, you know. Okay, guys, it's a state. It's let's everyone guess. let's calm down. Yeah. Just for just for folks who are coming from California out to Montana, buy your liquor in California before you come out to Montana. Yes. It Go is to much cheaper. Much cheaper. Half Costco. price. It, it's basically half price. So uh, that's a fun <laughs> that's a fun little tip for you. Little tip. Little, little tip. Get that at booze. Arizona is even cheaper. Because when my parents go to Arizona, they always... Okay, yeah, and that's another qualm I have is is all the old people in Montana are running south for the winter, and I'm like, oh, yeah, now you like it. And they're also running south of the border to get their pills, their Mm -hmm. medications. And their cigarettes. We're not going to put that in there. We're going to cut that. Anyway, let's all, I mean, we've certainly... So, so far, we've covered your flagging. We've covered... California was was California. Chuck living here at the time or was he visiting how did we'll talk about this with You're with Chuck when, when he's on but was he living here or did you have to like convince him to be no he he had bought Pioneer Outfitter oh he had yeah okay. he he had I think he had it for three years 
two or three years when I met him. And how is it living next to your in-laws? Most of the time, great. I, you oh, know, gosh. it's in-laws. What, do you, what can you say? It's, but we've never had any issues. Mm-hmm. We own the business together, too. So oh. it's been, there's, there, but most of the time it's been wonderful. And can That's you great. explain what the business is? What is Pioneer Outfitter? It's an outfitting business. We take people hunting and fishing, elk hunting, deer hunting, moose hunting. Riding horses up to mountain lakes. Uh, boy, I wish you put that sign back up because it is hard to find that turn. <laughs> 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 or just some sort of something. You just have to you just look for the empty sign. Um, isn't it mile marker 62? I have no idea. I but that, I always, I mind. got used to that sign and now it's gone yeah, and so I like blow past it every time. I'm like, whoops, okay, there, there she is. Anyway, so it's an outfitting business, right? Mm-hmm. And how long have you personally been a part of it? Um, well, we've been married for 29 years, so 31 years. I will say, for that 30th, you're not getting the same cake. We'll, we'll happily make you a cake, but we're not going to make a wedding cake this time. Wait, what are we talking? Oh, your anniversary. anniversary. When, remember when you, for your 20th wedding cake? It, it was literally was cake. a three-tiered it was layer beautiful. cake with fondant. <laughs> it took, really, we were it took up, us three days. We were up for oh, hours. And then at midnight after finishing the cake, Stephanie is like, how about an empanada? And I was like, okay. Oh, I almost I was smacked someone at that so, party because they said my pasties were dry. I was like, oh, you don't even get to. Get yourself some gravy. What are you doing? Like, They're a little dry. I'm like... I'm sorry. Where where's your wedding cake and four hundred pasties? I don't see them. You didn't bring anything. Soak soak it in a ditch. I don't give a shit. You bitch. So so for our thirtieth, you're getting a pie. I don't want. I don't a want a dessert. I'm trying to do keto. I don't want a dessert. You're getting a you can bottle have some of champagne. I'm really what I want is a trip to Hawaii. I got so much minor money. minor things. Sure, a trip to Hawaii. Okay. So you anyway. Know. Anyway. Anyway. So anyway. outfitting. Um, you've been a part of it for thirty-one, 31 years. years. And what role? What role did you play primarily? You. But how well, many? Well, I have never got. I well, I guess I've guided horseback trip. You know, horseback trips. But mostly, I cooked in our hunting camp. And the hunting camp. Can you kind of explain? Where, why, and how? It's at Brian Creek Road. It's uh, just below Fulhan Cabin. So how in do you... Easter, uh, East, uh, Eastern Pioneers. I'm a, I'm a brand new Californian. I just got here. Explain to me, how are we getting to this cabin? What are we going to it's do? It's at No Name Creek for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not none you, of your business. <laughs> it's, you just go Brian Creek, and you go, it's 12-mile okay. Ride. Oh, you don't know where Brian Creek is. No, I. Uh, okay, so when you say ride, you don't in a vehicle. In a vehicle. Yes. But how would you guys normally get up there? We go in a vehicle. Up to. Up to the end of the road. Mm-hmm. You go as far up as you can the on the road, and then you ride a horse for three miles. Okay. And what are you bringing? Yeah, you're bringing all the supplies on the horses. We did that mostly. There was about five years in there where we could use the four wheelers, the four service. Yeah, no doubt. the The four service or somebody put a stop to that, and they went back to, mm. I think it was like pre seventy eight trail. 
So the width of the trails could they had to go back to how it was in seventy eight. And I'm not sure. Mormons? What's why? Um just preservation of the of the ground. They didn't want two tracks. They just wanted one track. So okay. there was only it was a one track trail. And then after we rode four wheelers in and out, it was a two track trail. And it wasn't just that trail, it was all over, which really sucked for us because I would run in and out with kids going to school. So basically it's a it's a I'm just gonna talk like I've never done this and was not a part of this for half of my life. But you were. <laughs> so basically this is a pack trip into the mountains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm where you get to an eventual camp with wall mm-hmm. tents, etc. Right, we had... The wall um, tent is... What's a wall tent? Don't it's a tents. canvas building, basically, a tent. The, we it's did, not, we would put it up the first part of September and we would take it down uh, when we got done with rifle season, which was uh, middle of November. So it's, it's a permanent tent and it normally has stoves, wood, wood stoves in it? Yeah, it, all three of them had a, a heating stove, a wood stove. And cots. In it. That you sleep mm-hmm. on, and how many people other than you? We had six guys, six, six hunters, six okay. clients, and three guides. Okay. So I cooked for nine men, and I say men because it mostly that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I rarely had another woman come into camp. So, what was on the menu? Um, gee, I can't remember. I did a steak night, of course, and I did a yeah. spaghetti Ooh. night because that was an easy dinner, so mm-hmm. I always. Did that on easy dinners, and then I did a smoked turkey, mm-hmm. and I did um, pork chops mm-hmm. one night, and what else did I do? Mushroom um, gravy and oh deer oh steak yeah deer steak with mushroom yeah, gravy. Yeah. Just I haven't made that in a while. We'll come over. If you're yeah, that. yeah, you'll come <laughs> don't over. Mind, don't mind us. Uh, yeah, it was elk steak with mushroom gravy, and I served rice with it, and you put the mushroom gravy on everything, and I put it in this bowl, and most people thought it was soup. It was kind of funny. <laughs> But I said, no, that's the gravy. But so literally, all of this food you are cooking in the absolute middle of nowhere, way up in the mountains. All of this stuff you have gotten up there. On horseback. And then I baked, um, I would bake like for about a month prior to going into camp. And I would make, I had all homemade cookies for lunches. I had all homemade desserts for every dinner, had a different dessert. And I had um, homemade breads for breakfast. I did lots of baking. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite? My uh, my favorite was poppy seed bread. It went. I yep. I that was good. Was um, that at a breakfast? Yep. That I served at a breakfast and banana bread and blueberry muffins. I served for breakfast. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about the schedule of a, a hunter, what? the schedule of oh. a hunting camp, because I know it's a little bit different than uh, your day to day nine to five. Yeah, I'd have like breakfast at four thirty in the morning. Especially during archery season, because it right. got daylight so early. And archery season is different is, than is rifle well. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, archery season, I really liked it, actually, because they would leave, and they were gone all day, and they wouldn't. So I'd have breakfast, I'd serve breakfast, and I'd send them with a sack lunch, two sandwiches, an apple, you know, granola bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they would come back about 9.30, and we'd have dinner about 10, and then we would go to bed and get up and do it the next day, same. But I liked that, because I had all day to do what I needed to do, and then I'd take a horseback ride, or we'd go on a four-wheeler ride, or we'd do something every day, so that was fun. And then rifle season, they come back during the day? Yeah, I didn't like that too much. They would come back, because I'd get the tent and everything all cleaned up, and then they'd come back and drink coffee and make Mess hot chocolate. And What time do they come back, like a little after sunrise? 
Well, no, they would. They'd stay out until about oh, I don't know, ten thirty, eleven, and okay. then they'd come back, and then they'd go back out hunting about two thirty, three. During rifle season, they hunted a lot closer. How do you com- how do you prepare a complete novice for this experience? Just tell them what to bring, and just tell them what is going to happen. We didn't really ever have any issues. We just gave them a list of packing things and things that they needed to have, you know, sleeping bag, pillow, warm clothes. Just tell them what the experience was going to be. Make sure they could ride a horse, at least know which end to face. But what if one client's never ridden a horse? Like, what do you say to them? Oh, your father had this lovely thing that he would go through. It was a ritual. And he would explain that you face the head end and you get on like this and you, you know, you swing this leg over and you... When you're going to turn, you go to the left with the reins, and you go to... It was quite interesting to watch. It was pretty funny. And people were usually, oh, this is no problem until that first day. Until it was a problem? And he always said, what did he say? If your butt hurt, your stirrups are too long. If your knees hurt, they're too short. They're too short. If they both hurt... You're just right. (laughs) Do you guys remember we went on that trail ride up uh, Odell Lake when uh, Chuck was looking for his mountain goat? I was was riding Nibbles because I love riding Nibbles. Sorry, Nibbles. Uh, Nibbles is not dead, Cassandra. Nibbles is is lame at the moment due to a uh, foundering hoof. But he shouldn't be because the... Horseshoer said he was perfect now. He's fine. Maybe so. he's just maybe I think he's, he's just playing ladies. Well, I think that when people, you know, if if a person limps for so long, they keep limping. And yeah. I think a horse does that too cuz yeah. he just he was the other day he was limping. I'm like, "Oh, get over it. You're fine." Okay. <laughs> So Nibbles is um, one of their horses, and he's what—he's a bloater, is what I would call him. So uh, most horses do this, where they puff out their stomach when you go to tighten the cinch or the girth, uh, and then you get on, and uh, your saddle's all loosey goosey. I had that situation quite a bit with Nibbles, and I ended up kind of. Uh, riding cockeyed the whole way up and back. <laughs> Literally everyone. Like he just when you go to tighten the like the belt basically, the horse will breathe out, push their stomach. Yeah. And so then when you're done tightening it, he will let the air out or whatever. Yeah, it's like if you're putting if you're trying to stretch out a tight pair of jeans, you're kinda like pushing your stomach out or something. And um suddenly you're riding and, on the side of the horse. And some horses do this a little bit more uh they do it better than other horses, I guess, um, and that and that's nibbles, and so I kind of. But there's a trick. You well, you walk them around a little bit, and then you tighten it up. I just I and... just tighten it as tight as I can get it, and then I put the bridle on, and that gives him time to breathe out, blow it out, and then I tighten it again. Well, we we're on, we we're on so <laughs> we were on this specific trail, and I started kind of leaning, but the whole point of the trail ride was for Chuck to spot these mountain goats. So I didn't want to be like getting off my horse all the time and fiddling because he was looking for these mountain goats. And it was, you know, we were being quiet. We were, you know, trying to be respectful of 
uh, wildlife. And so I ended up riding a little bit cockeyed the whole, the whole time. And the next day I couldn't even move. So that was maybe, maybe uh, a little piece of advice for that is speak up before you get out to the place where you're trying to observe wildlife um, and tighten that girth right up. Um, Okay. So we were, we were just talking about Nibbles's health issues and I wanted to because I was intimately involved in this situation like ask you about Nibbles's problems so what happened to Nibbles from my end is we went on a trail ride we it was actually with our producer and tech guru Spencer who was on who was riding Spirit and Cassandra was riding Bobby Socks and I was riding Nibbles and for some reason, Nibbles is getting really sweaty and really foamy and didn't want to move, like didn't really want foaming to move at all, mouth, foaming at the mouth. And I was like, am I too fat for this horse? What's happening right now? But when we got back, he just he just wasn't quite right. So maybe, Shauna, could you tell us what happened after that? Because that was, that was my end of the Well, the horseshoe just said that he had colic. Uh-huh. And it's from eating too green a grass, too much. So I like to say he overdosed. Some... Um, or, or that you can do this on grain, too. You can eat too much grain, and it can make them sick. But, but like, what does it do to yeah. What does it do to their hooves? It makes them soft. Well, I, the this could be way off base, but sometimes people who have, like, a, uh, a large, maybe are carrying twins in pregnancy or have, uh-huh. like, a large child, their feet kind of spread. I'm um, hoping he well, I'm just, I'm just thinking. You know what I mean? I think the bourbon's talking. No, is that not what's happening? <laughs> oh my! Anyway, well, he's not pregnant. That is true. Yeah, this male horse is not pregnant, so, uh, so good to know. So back to camp. We're gonna go back to camp. One of the things that we had happen in camp, you guys were talking about a plane crash. We had a plane crash of a camp one year and it, we didn't but there was a plane <laughs> crash okay. that crashed up in camp and so Chuck and my father-in-law Cliff had gone in to set up camp and it was archery season and a really bad storm hit you know one of those storms that just snow wind really hit uh, wind shears and it disappeared and so they had one of these storms and they were at the end of the trail they were coming out and uh, they, you know, didn't think much of it. They got a inch of snow. It was kind of um, corn snow. Mm-hmm. And didn't think much of it. Really bad wind. Came home. And the next day we went in with clients. And um, there was a bunch of people lo- in, in search and rescue looking for a plane that had gone down in this storm. And it had crashed a half a mile from camp. Cassandra was um, three months old. Mm-hmm. when this happened and they found the plane and of course the guy had um, passed away because they he dove the plane nose down right into the ground and there was about uh, there was a big cave crater that the plane had made in the ground it was up just there. one man it was in one there? yeah it was one twin engine um, but Cessna just a single passenger plane. yeah just one guy was a doctor he was flying back to Salt Lake I believe and he hit this storm, and it, it he just nosedived down into the ground. Well, anyway, the um, Forest Service was bringing up the aviation people to investigate this crash. And so we had our horses picketed out in the field, 
And by picketing, I mean I, you put a rope around their front right foot and it's picketed onto a stick in the ground um, and so they can't go anywhere. They can only go where the rope lets them go. Different than hobbling. Right. Hobbles is um, you have something on both feet and they just can't walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and we picketed ours. And we had about oh, probably four or five horses picketed out there. Mm-hmm. And I had her in camp because I always took her and they brought this helicopter down and they landed the helicopter right where the horses were and horses of course freaked out and I'm surprised I'm very surprised we did not have a broken leg I've, I'd, have, I'd have shot the Forest Service guy but we didn't have a broken leg but we did have missing horses I had horses mm-hmm. scattered all over plus I had an infant child in the camp I had to leave her in her crib, in the tent, while I went and gathered up horses, I was I was pretty angry with the Forest Service. They hauled out um, the pieces of the plane, and then there there's a memorial there. The family mm-hmm. oh, really put a memorial up there. Yeah. Wow. One thing so was pretty interesting. One thing I don't know that if we specified, what do you hunt? Elk in hunting camp. Elk mostly. I mean that once in a while a deer, but mostly elk. And is that usually? Female or male? Uh, that would be a bull elk, <laughs> mostly. Which is a male. Okay. Which is a male. Right. And once in a while, people would have a cow tag, but most people that go to hunting camp and pay that much money to go to a hunting camp want the horns. Mm-hmm. And so, what is the process like? Uh, what's your end of the process as kind of the camp? I just feed them. Care? T- you don't have to deal with any of the elk <laughs> business. No, I no, I just feed them. I, the only thing, the only time I ever had to deal with elk in camp was when I shot one myself. Did it come into the camp? Yeah, it was. Well, it was out in the field across from our camp, and so I sort of let dinner cook on the stove, and I went out and shot a cow. And then Chuck came back, and I go, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> I have this elk out here. We got got out." Hey, uh, easy carry out though. For yeah, that. yeah. Meat on our table for the rest of the year, right? And you had a tag for that. Well, yes, clearly. Of course. But, so, all the clients are getting their own tags. Like, when they come in, they like they buy a license from... Yeah, so in Montana, um, it went different ways throughout the years. Um, sometimes it was a drawing. The out-of-staters had to draw, mm-hmm. put in for a drawing. And then um, it went from a drawing to they could just buy an out-of-state license. But I think in Montana, the out-of-state licenses is close to $1,000. And they put attached to uh, to an outfitter, and then they'd come hunting. But all of, the, only, the only time that we had people that weren't um, from out-of-state is there was a couple times that there was people from Butte that would get a moose tag, and mm-hmm. they had no idea where to go. And one was a young girl, a 13-year-old. Oh, wow. And she had a moose tag, and so my husband and, and my father-in-law took her hunting and got her a moose, so that was cool. Um, how young can you be and get a tag, do you know? Um, 12, but you have to be, uh, you have to take hunter safety. Does that apply, like, can you be an out-of-stater and be 12 years old? As long as you take hunter safety. Oh. And do you have to take hunter safety in Montana, or how's that work? You know, I don't know that answer. I, I would say that you could take hunter safety from your own state. It takes six weeks, so you'd be in Montana a long time. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to pop into probably another whole episode because 
uh, on next week's podcast, we have Shaw, a trained EMT, talking about wilderness first aid. Enough of this silliness. We're going to settle the debate on tourniquets, everyone. What do you do with them? Uh, what are they? Who needs them? And How do you spell it? You know? Right. Um, hey, what is up with an EpiPen? How do you get one of those? What is it? Is it a pen for writing? No, it isn't. Uh, and we're going to talk about it. So don't you worry your pretty little head. If you're headed out on a hike or uh, you need to know how to be in the outdoors, <laughs> go ahead and tune in to next week's episode.